Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Next morning, he was out sweeping his front porch, singing a song to this new guy called Jesus who he'd just found out about. I mean, how good is that? So God's, God's up to some incredible stuff in the Philippines. And this is the same town, the same church, the same community that we'll be going to, running a, a youth event with them and for them. Um, and if you're interested in joining that, it's at the moment, the dates we're looking at, it might move a couple of days either way, depending on tickets and prices and everything. April 22 to 30. So it's right towards the end of the April school holidays. Um, and it'll be about, this. I'm really spitballing here because we haven't done the pricing yet. It'll be sort of 1500 to 1700-ish. So we'll work with that for now. That, that might need to change, but we'll see. We'll see how we go. If you're interested, come and have a chat to me after. I'd love to meet you if I haven't met you and, and talk about that. That'd be awesome. So Christmas, we're almost at Christmas and Christmas is awesome. I love Christmas. We sing carols and eat awesome food. I'm one of those carols all year guys. Is anybody else a carols all year person? Yeah, it's like June. I'm like, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And my wife, or I, I have this thing, a- any catchy song will get stuck in my head to an extent that is infuriating. And I cannot help but share. So my wife's the main recipient of that. She gets my carols all year round. Um, and it is. It's, it's beautiful. I love Christmas. And it is the season for us to rejoice at what God has done by sending Jesus. And we get to do that tonight, which is amazing. In this time, I wanted to do something a little bit different because we have this beautiful opportunity to freely celebrate And we do have an incredible freedom, a very unique freedom when you look back in history. And even when you look around the world today, not many parts, or there are certainly lots of parts that aren't free or aren't anywhere near as free. And our freedom has actually been purchased by some enormous sacrifices. Not just the sacrifice of Jesus, which is why we're all here, but people have laid down things that you maybe wouldn't believe and and don't yet know if you haven't heard the stories. So as kind of an act of gratitude, I want to give a bit of a tribute to a few stories in history that have made it possible for us to be sitting here, worshipping Jesus, and also to be tonight going out freely, running carols in an open space without getting hurt or killed, because that's actually pretty, that's pretty awesome. Um, So that's something a little bit different and a bit of a content warning. Have we got any tiny children around? No, they've all gone to good. Um, history can be pretty grisly sometimes. So we will have a few stories that are a little uncomfortable, but that's, that's just the truth of history. Um, let's just bring up the first slide. There's, ah, okay, yeah, that's the name of this message. That's not actually the slide I was after. So on their shoulders, we really are here on the shoulders of people who've gone before us. Now, this scripture is probably one, if you've been around church for a while, you'll have seen this scripture before. I am not ashamed of the gospel of His name. And when Paul said this, 
the cost was high. <laughs> he said this in Romans chapter 1. And being unashamed is a thing that all of us probably would like to say about ourselves. Um, I always wanted this to be true of me. And I would, when I was really young, I'd sing songs about this. And on Sundays, we're really bold, right? I'm, I'm full of beans on Sunday morning. And I'm ready to, to lay down my life and follow Jesus no matter what the cost. And then I go to school or work or whatever it is I do and, and things change a little bit. But um, it has been really hard for me. If, if we go to the next slide, I don't know if anybody remembers these things. Yeah. Who was around when these took off? I've become one of these people who's old enough to say, who was around when these things took off? It's such a weird feeling. I'm still getting used to that. But these are the old fabric ones. Now there's like little rubberized ones. These are the originals, man. Like I've got one of these. These are the OGs. It's the real deal. And this was like, this was the great faith stand of a person who went to school was to put one of these bands on. Because if you wore one of these bands, you were a Jesus person. And I remember feeling pretty brave putting on my little WWJD band. Um, I, I, had, I went to a Christian school. I went to St. Philip's, like lots of people here. But I went to Waratah. And at Waratah, probably, well, and also here, a lot of the students aren't Christian. So you're going to a Christian school which is primarily either not believing or not sure. It's kind of an unusual environment. And I remember trying to figure out how to while also caring about being cool and having all my friends accept me, because that matters a lot when you're in high school, trying to work out what can I say, what can't I say, how do I stay cool, how do I also follow Jesus, and it's really hard. I struggled a lot. And I remember even if someone asked me, what did you do on the weekend? I remember sometimes I'd be really brave and I'd squeeze something in about having gone to church, but it'd be like I'd slip it in in between two sentences and I'd try and look, yeah, and I went to church. And then I went to the beach in the afternoon, and that was great. And I still somehow felt like that was me standing up for Jesus. And I've got to, I've got to share the question with you. I, and I've, I've wrestled with this kind of uh, ashamedness through my youth. And asked myself, why? What am I ashamed of? Why would I be ashamed of the best news to hit planet Earth? What's the deal with that? We could talk a lot about that. I've got a, a little theory on that, that when we meet Jesus, we have this pure experience of the living Jesus. It's simple and pure and beautiful. And it is a real experience. And then before long, we, we learn that actually it's not enough to believe a few things about Jesus. There's actually a really, really long list of things that we need to believe if we're going to be accepted as a Christian. And not all churches are like this. Thankfully, we're a flexible church. But a lot of communities are. And even in our families, we can feel like, well, I don't feel the same way about that, so I'm not in that group anymore. It's a very hard thing to navigate. And before long, there's a thousand-item list of things that were like, crikey, like, I just signed up for Jesus. Jesus is awesome. I'm not so sure about this little one down here and politics and blah, blah, blah. But Jesus is great, but the shape of the whole thing changes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And suddenly we're looking at a whole other thing. And we've got to figure out, well, do we back that thing or not? And that's complicated. So we've got to work through this process of, if you're a young person, oh, I feel your pain. 
I love speaking with young people about their faith because they're trying to they're trying to crack this bizarre code that we end up sort of lumped with. And really, Jesus is at the core of everything that we believe. We're here because of Jesus. It's a few beliefs about Jesus that bind us together and make us Christians. Um, anyway, that's my little rant on that. But the apostles like Paul, man, this is when it was pure Jesus and pure experience, right? They had met the risen Jesus. That's like met Him, met Him. That's intense. And they were not ashamed. They were bold beyond belief. And they knew what the price would be. And they paid it gladly. Now, some of you might know that the apostles themselves, who we're not going to talk about the apostles today because probably some of us know of them, they, they laid their lives down in some pretty unbelievable ways. Peter was crucified in about 67 to 68 AD. But he didn't want the honor of being crucified like Jesus. This is what the tradition says. So he asked to be crucified upside down. Crucified is bad enough. I don't want to know what that is like. Uh, Paul was also crucified around about the same time. And in the Bible itself, we see in Acts chapter 12, James was put to death by Herod Agrippa I, which we can figure out that that was 44 AD, even earlier. And there are lots of stories of all the others, but they, were, they did all of this because they were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah the promised one that God had spoken of through history in their scriptures. And they weren't laying down their lives because of an argument about creation and evolution. They weren't stoned to death because they they took a brave stand. And please hear me out, I'm not giving a case for or against these things, but they weren't engaged in a brave stand against or for gay marriage. It wasn't about that. It was about Jesus himself. That's what they focused on. That's what they died for, that essential truth. So today I want to share a few stories of the ones who came after, fathers and mothers of our faith. And this is my little tribute to them, thanking them for what they have done to allow us to do carols tonight in an open space. All right, let's go next slide. I'm going to share a story of a beautiful man from the second century called Polycarp. It's an unusual name, Polycarp. Many fish is what I think when I see that word. But Polycarp is one of my personal heroes of the faith. And I want you to use use your imagination as I share these stories this morning. And you'll kind of thank me and hate me for using your imagination, but it's really important that we do. This is is my written... um, interpretation of the real events of Polycarp's death. I wrote this for my blog a while ago and I thought it was easy to just use my own words. So, just imagine this and close your eyes if it helps. You stand condemned to death before a small crowd, naked, apart from a girdle wrapped around your waist. A girdle was like an ancient nappy thing. Um, Your legs are bound to a thick stake which runs up from behind your heels to the base of your neck. Your arms are also bound, wrapped behind that stake. As a soldier approaches to nail you in place, you politely ask if you might instead free your hands and feet and you promise that you will happily stay standing throughout your execution without any need for constraint. 
Surprisingly, your wish is granted. Thoughtfully stroking your graying beard, you look down at your tired feet, which are browned and wrinkled from so many years of service in God's church. And you take a few seconds to thank them, along with the rest of your faithful frame, for serving you so long. Your executioners treat you with an eerie respect, allowing you time to pray to your Creator as you prepare to meet Him. Kindling is set around your feet, fuel for the fire that will soon consume you. You stand proud, your will indomitable. For this is a moment you have anticipated. You recently received a dream from God, a simple vision of a pillow burning. And you knew from this that you would soon be captured and burnt alive by the Roman authorities for your faith in Jesus. The kindling is lit by another young soldier and the inevitable quickly unfolds. Without protest, you watch your legs and girdle catch fire. After what seems like an endless delay, your senses catch up with you and the pain arrives. It's a searing, penetrating pain, far greater than any you've known. But you insist on holding to silence, even as the last of your skin fuses to the flesh beneath. You're mostly concerned with setting a good example for the onlookers, both believers and unbelievers, showing them that the spirit of a follower of Jesus is not so easily broken. Wow. Your death will be one that glorifies your precious Lord before these witnesses. This moment is nothing but pure honor. Your life's last prayer is silently uttered upon your body's last breath. Just two words. Thank you. Suddenly, all is dark and silent, and your pain is ended. Wow, probably not what you expected to hear on a Sunday morning. And I'm sorry to bring truth and reality of this story to you, but this happened, this really happened in 156 AD, the death of this incredible man called Polycarp. And he, he was a pastor of a church community in what we now call Turkey. It was a city called Smyrna, and you can visit it. I've been there. It's a place now called Izmir. And he was instrumental in the building of the early church in that part of the world. And this was just the price that everyone accepted in ministry. They may have to pay one day. The soldiers may come for you. Part of the deal. Now, what's shocking about this is that this man, well, let me go back a little bit. This man was the friend of another man who was older than him called Ignatius. He was another hero. His title is an epic, epic title. People used to refer to him as the bearer of fire. Not because he was like angry or anything, but he just had this intense burning love for God. And he laid down his life as well. But he laid his, his life down. He was thrown to lions at 70 years old for the entertainment of the Roman people. Can you imagine, I mean, I don't want to, but can you imagine a 70-year-old being thrown to the lions for entertainment? 
That's bad enough. Polycarp, our friend we're looking at now, was at least 86. 86 years old. The indignity of doing this to a beautiful, humble man like him, who was known only for his love, compassion, for his works of justice in his community. It's an outrage. And the story that I shared didn't even include the miraculous moments that many people believe. And they're in the stories. We believe the New Testament, so it's not so hard to believe things like this. But there's a story that when he was burning, the sweet smell of fresh bread filled the air. That's pretty wild, isn't it? As though his sacrifice, as hard as it is for, to, for us to understand, his sacrifice was somehow going to bring forth something beautiful. Isn't that incredible? More incredible again is the story that a dove came out of the fire and just ascended and went away in the moment that his body was consumed. Also pretty hard to believe, but we believe all sorts of things in the New Testament that are very miraculous. So why not? Incredible, right? Incredible. Okay, now, that's an incredible man who laid down his life. Let's look at a couple of women. We'll just go next slide. Perpetua and Felicity. Now, anybody who grew up in the Catholic Church or any of the more Orthodox churches might know these names because they are saints. They're saints because of the price that they paid. We're jumping ahead about 50 years to North Africa. The year is 203 AD, a city called Carthage, a very famous city in the ancient world. And there was this emperor at the time called Severus. just sounds nasty like Slytherin. You already know it's bad before you even know what it is. And, and Severus, Severus was this guy who saw great uh, fragmentation of religion in the Roman Empire, because the Romans just kind of went everywhere, held it like, basically, it was like peace by the sword, weirdest thing ever. Roman peace, we're going to kill you if you don't join us, and then you'll have peace. Strange, strange system, but that was their, that was their system, and it worked. So, they'd like consumed all of these different societies and communities to the point where they had all of these different religions within the Roman Empire. And they're like, well, what do we do? They all believe different stuff. How can we control them if they all believe different stuff? So, they came up with this thing called syncretism. And that was that they wanted everybody to accept everybody else's gods. That's okay, because almost everybody believed in lots of different gods. As long as in all of this ocean of gods, the sun god is put at the top. You can believe whoever else you want. Have your Jesus, have your whoever else, but just put the sun god at the top. Can you think of a couple of people who might have a problem with that? Christians weren't big on that. Other gods. And Jews weren't big on that either. So the Christians and the Jews were like a thorn in Rome's side. They wouldn't fall in line. They wouldn't do what they were told. So he's like, all right, geez, these Christians and Jews, what do I do with them? So he, he made this statement, anybody from now on who converts to Christianity or Judaism will be executed. Problem solved. 